0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff, here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, we just had 40-man rosters set uh, a few days ago. We're going to look at which prospects got roster spots, which did not. Uh, some guys who are now eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Uh, Jesse Sanchez got a chance to talk to Padres rookie right-hander Luis Patino. So we'll uh, hear from Luis Patino and also the Padres director of player development. Uh, we'll chime in on Patino as well. We'll talk to Sam Ganey. Mark Feinstein reporting that the Rays are open to trading Blake Snell. Uh, Lists a couple teams as possibilities of where Snell could end up. We'll take a look at that and uh, what what that sort of deal might entail and what kind of prospects could potentially be involved. Jim and Jonathan are heads down working on the top 100 draft prospects list for 2021. We'll get into that a little bit and we'll wrap up with your questions in the mailbag. So guys... 40-man roster deadline was...
2: Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get too too far, because like I, I don't know if people listen to bit Jason, you have a, a superpower that I did not know you were capable of. I'm just wondering, could you count to 10 like super fast, like right now? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9,
3: 10. That's pretty cool. Can you rattle off maybe nine prospects in a row even faster? Victor Robles,
1: Amad Rosario, Austin Meadows, Brendan Rogers, Gleyber Torres, Rafael Devers, Eloy Jimenez, Cody Bellinger, Mickey Moniak...
2: Man, that's impressive. I never knew you could do that. I, you put me on the spot there, too. <laughs> I
3: would have been more impressed if you'd come up with Zach McKinstry instead of Mickey Money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> never, never missing an opportunity there, Jim. But I mean, now we know, like, you know, the thing is, we we're always worrying about our podcast going long, and now we could do it in like three minutes. I'm just trying to speed these things up. Yeah, appreciate that. Looking forward to my uh, second career
1: as a uh, disclaimer. Uh, fast talker. A fast talker. Oh, that can, you guess surprise me. We that. get the oh, Jimmy no, no, no.
3: John's. We get the Jimmy John's sponsorship now too, right? Because don't they have the fast talker and the Jimmy John's commercials? We should have a Jimmy John's right? sponsorship. Yeah, or they used to. Fast the,
2: talker sounds like a like a character in a Seinfeld episode. The low talker. Yeah, the low talker, the close, the close talker, talker, the fast talker. Right? That's me. Yep. Anyway.
1: Anyway, I thought I thought you were actually interrupting the podcast.
2: <laughs> I was not.
1: You did. Okay, all right, so let's get back to talking about some uh, 40-man roster spots. Uh, Friday was the deadline. Uh, teams had to, uh, were faced with decisions about which prospects to put on their 40-man rosters. If they're not on the 40-man roster, then they're eligible for the Rule 5 draft, which is coming up on December 10th. Uh, first of all, if one of you guys, Jim or Jonathan, can do the honors, and I know we've, we've do this probably yearly, but explain exactly how this works. Which players are uh, eligible? Which players uh, face this
3: roster decision, and why? Yeah, oh, you hey, hey. go ahead, John. You enjoy the Rule Five more than me, so I'll <laughs> let you. I'll so, let should, you talk about should it. Should I
2: try to do it like really, really fast? Sure. Huh. <clears throat> Players first signed at age 18 or younger must be added to 40-man rosters within five seasons or they become eligible to be drafted by other organizations through the Rule 5 process. Players signed at 19 years or older have to be protected within four seasons. Clubs pay $1, $100,000 to select the player in the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft. If that player doesn't stay on the MLB roster for the full season, he must be offered back to his former team for $50,000. For this year, that means an international high school draft pick signed in 2016, assuming he was 18 or younger as of June 5th of that year, had to be protected. A college player taking the 2017 draft were in the same position.
1: I think I just lost my job. <laughs> That, that wasn't even enhanced. That wasn't even set <laughs> up.
2: No, no. That was au naturel. Wow. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you very much. You think now, people, did anyone you think understand what that? I said?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty standard fare this year. Uh, this is what we see pretty much every year. Um, there are hundreds, oh, nearly 2,000 players who meet these uh meet these qualifications. Typically, approximately 150 of them are prospects on a team top 30 prospects list. Usually around 10 to 12 top 100 prospects that meet the criteria. Every year, all of those top 100 prospects are protected. Um, We haven't gone back beyond the six years that we've been tracking this closely, but in those six years, Every top 100 prospect has been protected. Um, so that's that's never a surprise. Um, that was the case again this year. There were seven top 100 prospects. All of them were protected. Uh, this year we had a higher number of top 30 prospects overall. And I don't know if you guys have noticed that or have any, any ideas why that would be. But in past years, it's been 149, 149, 153, 144, 156. This year, there were 174. Uh, approximately the same percentage uh, got roster spots right at uh, just under 50%, 49% of them. Um, but do you guys have any any theories as to why there were more
3: this year? Maybe there were more roster spots open as teams are looking. I mean, we haven't had the, non, the slew of non-tenders yet, but maybe there's more roster spots open as teams are looking to get cheaper, you know, given the pandemic year and the uncertainty facing everybody in 2021, that would, that would be my guess.
2: I think it's, you know, a combination of that. And, you know, it's also, there may be a possibility that, you know, we didn't do a full on re-rank of our top 30 uh, and we don't have, you know, access to necessarily how players did. I wonder if there's at least some subset of players who are on top 30s who, may would have played themselves off of the top 30 had there been a regular season, but we didn't, we didn't do that. Um, So there may, you know, I I, I think it's more along the lines of what Jim was saying, but I wonder if there are a few guys who, you know, we just, you know, didn't get a chance to sort of move guys around as much as we normally would have given the, the strange circumstances of this year.
1: So of the prospects on top 30 prospect lists who did not uh, get protected. Did not get a roster spot. There are only two that are inside their team's top ten prospects. That's Wander Javier of the Minnesota Twins and Eniel De Los Santos of the Phillies, uh, who was also uh, subject to the Rule Five draft last year. Um, and that's that's been the case recent in recent years as well. That pretty much all of the top guys do get protected. Last year we went we went back and looked at last year. There were three players. Uh, who were in their team's top 10 list that did not get protected. Uh, Wander Javier also last year, uh, Zach Brown, who was the Brewers' number three prospect at the time, and Shervin Newton, uh, who was the Mets' number eight prospect at that time. Um, guys, when you look at this year, any surprises, any names that jump out at you, anything?
3: Of guys who were protected? or, or I mean,
1: Either could go either way.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there were a lot of surprises just because like Jonathan said, it, it it was, it was just a different year. You know, we, we didn't have guys play. I, Jonathan does our twins list, I, I believe, but, but I, you know, Wander Javier, you know, he's been hurt. And he hasn't played a whole lot. The idea that you could protect him on your big league roster next year would be such a long shot. Like I, I'm not surprised he wasn't protected. Uh no, I mean, I, I think most of the obvious guys got protected. I mean, you know, th- I think there's more surpri- – not, not even surprising. Mean, there were guys who aren't on top 30 lists who got protected. And even with those guys, you know, I, I singled out some of them. You know, maybe not all 30 teams would have protected those guys, but I always joke that everybody – you know, everybody's prospects are like their kids. You love your own more than, more than anybody else does. Um, but, no, I mean, it, it's – this year's just been so odd – that there's there's just much less information to go on, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I think that's that's right. And, you know, and Javier's not played above a ball, you know, and so th- no one's going to take him, you know. So I think that's you know the last two years the Twins have made that determination, and you know he looked good in instructs, but he hasn't he hasn't played a whole heck of a lot, and he wasn't he didn't have a great first go round of full season ball anyway. So uh, you know there's still talent there, but I think they feel safe in that. You know, a guy like De Los Santos. Know, who was in the big leagues in 2018 and 2019 and you know, was you know in summer camp or you know whatever we call the spring training 2.0 and then he got outrighted and nobody claimed him you know so someone could have you know, put a waiver claim on him you know is he the kind of guy you know live arm who could be a bullpen up that could be attractive in the rule 5 draft I guess you know but there are a couple of guys like that you know, another guy who sort of jumped out of me was Cody Carroll is now with the Orioles, who was also had also been in the big leagues and got outrighted and nobody claimed him. So if nobody, nobody was going to claim him to put him on their 40 man roster, I, I'm not sure why someone would then take a rule five pick to have to put him on, you know, their big league roster. So there's, a, you know, there's. A, I think a risk that you're taking. And, and clearly in in those two cases, the Phillies and Orioles were willing to part ways with those pitchers. So they would be willing to part ways with them again, if they were taken, but I just don't see that happening.
3: You know, and and Jonathan, just to, you know, build on that a little bit last year, which was a normal year. I mean, and I think in most years, you know, velocity is, is easy to find now. There's always a lot of interesting arms who maybe, you know, lack a quality second pitch or polish or whatever. Um, So I don't know that you even really need to protect a lot of those guys because I feel like, I mean, some of them will get picked in the Rule 5 draft in a normal year, but they're a dime a dozen. You can find guys throwing 95 and up, um, you know, whereas that would have been like, man, I can't, you know, 10 years ago, how's that guy not getting protected? Every team has guys like that that they can't protect. And, you know, every year we do (laughs) Rule 5 previews and we speculate on about 15 relievers who are throwing 97 plus, and then like one of them gets drafted.
1: Yeah, I think you guys are um, expecting even fewer picks this year, right? Or or you think that's a distinct possibility. You look back over the past five years um, in the major league phase, there were 16 picks in 2015, 18 in 2016 and 17, down to 14 in 2018 and just 11 last year.
3: I will set the over under at eight and a half and I will probably bet the under.
2: I will take the under. I thought you were going to set it at five. And then I'd have to think. But,
3: I mean, I do, I do think you know. it might be attractive a little bit. You you know, you've, we, The rosters expanded last year, even before the pandemic, to 26. So it makes it a little bit easier. And with teams looking, I think, across the board to save money after a horrible year for revenues in 2020, I, I could see teams maybe taking a gamble on a you know, lower ceiling position player maybe fills a bench role or, uh, you know, arm that they like type of thing. But I, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty quick. Uh, we, we can't have you do the play by play for the World Five draft this year, Jason, because it, it would just be too quick. We need to <laughs>
1: drag it out. So you guys are currently working on a story where you're looking at each of your teams uh, and guys who are not protected and will be eligible for the rule five draft coming up with one interesting name per team. Uh, can you guys give us a little preview, Come, maybe a couple guys you're
3: looking at? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll sit here and cite two relievers. Um, you know, th- there's guys who are interesting cause they're former top prospects who maybe haven't panned out. And then there's guys who are interesting cause they might get picked. But I mean, two of the, the interesting guys from my organizations, Brett Degus of the Dodgers, you know, they just have a deep system. You know, they have trouble. They have a bunch of intriguing relief prospects that they just can't protect. But, you know, DeGuss, I, I, you probably saw him last year too, Jonathan, in the fall league. Uh, you know, this is a guy who was a, a 33rd round pick out of a junior college, Cabrillo Junior College in 2017. You know, he, he he touched 92 miles an hour, which wasn't outstanding, but they but the Dodgers liked his makeup. They liked his, the way his arm action um, and he wound up when in his post-draft fiscal, it revealed a heart condition. So he didn't even debut till 2018. And then he got pounded in rookie ball. But then last year he got the high class A. He, he didn't uh, give up a run in his final 23 innings of the year. He's throwing 93, 98 with, with a pair of power breaking pitches. Super interesting guy. Um, and, and also interesting for the standpoint, I mean, I, I think a, he could probably help somebody next year. Um, you know, he's a reliever. He, he wasn't in that far away this year. And B, Uh, you know, in this new era, we're going in with fewer draft picks. He probably maybe doesn't even get drafted. And with fewer farm teams, maybe he gets released after seven, two, six ERA and rookie ball. But um, he looked really good in the fall league when when we last saw him in 2019. And and then the other reliever I would throw out there was Alex Spees, much higher ranked uh, or highly regarded prospect when he entered pro ball. He had won the best high school arms in 2016 draft, but had trouble harnessing it had Tommy John surgery but right before he got hurt, he was having more success coming out of the bullpen. Since he's come back, he's been, you know, well over the triple digits. He's got a power curveball as well. You know, the, you know the strikes are still an issue, um, and there's not a ton of innings of pro experience. But it, it, it's a crazy good arm. So both those guys could be really interesting to teams, and, and I think it's a little easier to protect guys now with the 26th man on the roster.
2: That was pretty funny. It was like, you know, you could find relief pitchers anywhere. Here are a couple of relief pitchers.
3: I know. I I I, I called that on myself. Yes, you did. You did.
2: Uh, So, you know, it's interesting because you know the first. I think one of the first things you do is you look at like that 2016 draft, and you look at like those high school power arms, and uh, you know, I know Jim does the uh, the Marlins. Tyler Kolek, the guy you, you picked for them in the end? I you, you
3: know what? I did not because he was actually whoa. eligible as an older high school guy last year. Oh. And I tried not to go back to the well too often. Yeah. yeah I mean, Kolek was <laughs> the number two pick in the draft. And for two years in a row, you could have him for $100,000. And, I mean, there, there's no way that guy's ready to pitch in the big leagues. No, so no, no, no. I mean, my, and I don't know how deep they're protecting. Maybe he gets picked in the minor league phase of
2: the rules. Uh, right. My guy on that end would be Riley Pint. With the with the Rockies, who just uh, has had some injuries and mostly just can't throw a strike, but uh, every time I talk to to Rockies player development staff about him, he is still capable of if you see him on the right day, looking like the Riley Pint, who was the number four overall or whatever he was, I think number four overall pick, um, in that draft, and you know with stuff that could get big league hitters out now he hasn't pitched above low A ball and has had almost, you know zero success. So I, I can't imagine it happening, but he's the guy from that that draft. And then um, the other guy I think I'll mention is uh, going back to the Twins uh, because I did not pick Wander Javier just because I didn't think that he, he, he was going to get taken. But Akil Badu is, is kind of an interesting guy just because he had had – some success uh and it looked like he was starting to figure things out but then he got hurt now he hasn't played above the florida state league uh, but there are a lot of tools there i got good reports of him on him over the summer and fall i think it's harder for a position player you know to to make that that leap especially because he's he's an outfielder it's not like he's a super utility guy who can play all over the place. He could play three outfield positions and he can run and he can defend. uh, And and he's shown some interesting offensive skills. Uh, It'd be a little bit of a leap, but he's kind of interesting. And I, and I know that the twins internally, you know, debated uh, whether they should protect him and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they, they just made the calculations that it's unlikely that he would either a get taken or even if he did, that he he would actually stick with the, with the major league team that took him.
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times the decision to protect a guy, like if a guy's left unprotected, it, it by no means is a symbolic of the fact that the team doesn't like or highly regard that prospect. You're just taking an educated gamble, you know, like Jonathan said, with a guy like Badu he hasn't played above a ball, you know, he was hurt in 2019. So he's played, I think what, like 30 games in the last two years. There's no way that guy's big league ready. I mean, somebody could try to stash him and keep him, but the odds that they, the odds that he gets picked and gets kept on a roster all year are so slim that you're taking an educated gamble. Because if you start adding guys to the 40 man roster, you also have to start optioning them to the minor leagues each year. And so you start burning options faster than you need to. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of listeners, a lot of them do understand this, but just because you're left off of a 40 man roster, doesn't mean that the team doesn't think you're any good or, or, you know, geez, you know, Javier's ninth and Bidou's 13th on the twins list. You know, what's MLB pipeline doing? No, those are highly regarded prospects. It's just almost impossible to keep them right now on a big league roster.
1: Right. If you go back and look at the past six years, let's 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 say the past five years, um, there have been seventy-seven picks overall in the major league phase of the Rule Five Draft. What's what's your guess as to how many of those have been players ranked in their top thirty prospects?
3: Say that again. So they were seventy-seven Seven. players drafted out, of 77,
1: half- out of seventy-seven players picked in the major league phase of the past five rule five drafts how many were top 30 prospects at the time
2: i'll say 29 are we are we is it are we prices right on Price it right, like, Price do I need right to... rules. so one one i'll take under 29 is what i'm saying yeah 18 so uh 20 23
1: percent of the players picked were top 30 prospects so yeah, yeah, I
2: mean, we we we've talked about this a lot, and you know, putting aside the you know bizarre nature of the season that you know, we keep harping on, but in general, ever since they changed the rules of the Rule Five draft, and you know, this is something we've discussed often. It's, this isn't new material, but and teams have that extra year than they used to before they have to make a decision on protecting a player. Uh, that's another year of data, you know, and a lot of time a guy that. You know, wouldn't it, made it past a ball. Now you have dad on him pitching in Double A, or he's gotten to the fall league with that extra year, or whatever it is. So I think there are less, you know, quote unquote, mistakes making in terms of losing future impact players. You know, so you know, I think what Joaquin Soria is an example of a guy who hadn't pitched above a ball and was lighting it up in the Mexican League, and that's why he got taken. Now all of a sudden there's an extra year to evaluate that guy. He probably pitches his way up a couple of levels, uh, you know, and, and then gets protected, you know? So I think that there's, you know, there, there are less of those impact kind of players uh, of even available just because it, you know, amazing what an extra year will do to help evaluate a young player. So Jim, speaking of players outside of the team's top 30
1: prospects list, uh, you did a story on some interesting names uh that fit that bill and you put together a list of 10 players eight of the ten being pitchers uh you want to highlight a guy or two on that list for us
3: yeah i mean you know these are all guys who are who were protected on 40s not on top 30s um you know it, it's it's I mean, I, I do have some heart-throwing relievers on there, like Wanderson Charles in the athletic system, who was a, a prime candidate last year. Sam McWilliams, who was a minor league free agent who just signed with the Mets. You know, it, it's you know interesting. I maybe stretched that definition a little bit. But, you know, you've got guys like Ernie Clement of in the Indians, who you could argue is the best contact hitter in the minors. Eli Morgan, a right-hander with the Indians might be might have he is definitely one of the best changeups in the minors there's Bailey Ober, the twins who's 6'9" 260 and throws around 88 89 miles an hour but he he misses bats and has a ton of deception and when he was healthy he's he's been healthy off and on but in 2019 he pitched about half a season and had a 0.69 ERA with a 100 to 9 strikeout to walk ratio so you know all these guys were protected um, you know, interesting, you know, it, you know, again, I stretched a little bit. These aren't top, top prospects because they're not on our top 30s, but these are all guys who, who are added to 40s that you could see in the big leagues or, you know, the teams obviously feel that way or they wouldn't protect them. All
1: right. So the Rule 5 draft coming up on December 10th, and we will uh, hone in on that as we get closer. Uh, right now we are going to take a break. When we come back, Jesse Sanchez sits down with Padres pitching prospect Luis Patino and Padres director of player development Sam Ganey on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
2: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB Alright, thanks very much Jesse,
1: and thanks very much to both Luis Patino and Sam Ganey for joining us on the Pipeline Podcast. Guys, you know, we, we had Jesse on on the podcast last week and you know, a lot of that conversation was about just how difficult it is to project these international prospects who teams are signing at 16, scouting when they're 13, 14 years old. And I think Luis Patino, you know, a prime example of a kid who, you know, at the time, I I don't know if he even weighed 150 pounds when they signed him. He was not highly regarded. He signed for $130,000, which is not a lot um, relative to what the, you know, top 30 sort of prospects get. He was not in our top 30 list. Uh, the Padres that year signed seven of the top 24 international prospects. He was not one of them, uh, but now here he is, uh, you know, more highly regarded than anyone that uh, the Padres signed in that class and more highly regarded than. <laughs>
4: Patino ingresa y apaga el fuego. Dos punches a swing completo. The Major League debut for 20 year old Luis Patino. Oh we've been hearing a lot about him. I'm excited as you are Don. 20 years old from Barranquilla, Colombia. Swing and a miss and he strikes out Kike Hernandez.
3: Here's the one two swing and a miss. He chased a fastball at 98 up and away. Second Major
4: League strikeout for Patino. Muncy goes down swinging made Muncie look sick. Yep. Does my line, does that ball explode out of his hands on the heater or what? No, it's special. Oh. And he gets it by him at 97. Strikes him out back to back K's for Patino, two down. Playoff series, and Luis Patino rings up J.P. Crawford one away. There's the control we want to see on a consistent basis from Patino. Welcome back to the MLB pipeline podcast
5: I'm Jesse Sanchez and we are joined by Audrey pitchers Luis Patino. Luis uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, first can you let us know where you're at right now
6: Thank you Jesse for our invitation first um, I'm gonna be proud to be here with you and talking a little bit um, right now I'm here in my house in Colombia Barranquilla, spending time with my family I'm you know working in, in my in my body every time every single day
5: so, so what's a normal day for you like there?
6: No, right now, um, usually I wake up like at 5, 5.30, take a good breakfast, go to the gym. Um, after that, working in my mobility. Um, after that, come back home, spend time with my family. Um, in the night, sometimes it's like I go to the stadium for running a little bit, but no different, like a ball, ball time in, in, the, in the playoff. Because, you know, right now in Colombia here, up a, a lot of guys for, with the COVID-19, so I try to spend more time at my home and you not know, go outside for too much time. So, so my old days, so of spend time here in my family, in my home, uh, not do too much.
5: Mm-hmm. So is there anything in the gym that you're working on? Are you trying to strengthen your arm? Or are you working on your legs, on your back? Is there anything you really want to focus on?
6: Right now, I'm fucking a lot of work in my body, in my old body. I'm working a lot in my legs, my, my core, my back, and my shoulders, even my elbow. Because sport, it's very important right now working in the up season for these two months. Last October and November, i worked working more in my body. Now I'm start throwing. So working in my way, uh, I'm working be straight, being straight with, with my own muscles. So sometimes working in the bicycle for, you know, for resistance. Um, no too much right now. I'm fucking more in my body and do more.
5: Mm-hmm. So we are obviously doing this interview in English. We could have done it in Spanish if we wanted to. So why was it important for you to learn English? And can you walk us through that process, how you became so good at being a bilingual uh,
6: athlete? No, I think uh, English is more, a lot important for everyone. Just know for me that, you know, I'm playing in the United States, but uh, I think everybody need to learn English because it's a language for a word. If you need to communicate for somebody, if you go to other country, you need it. The people is like... Uh, English is like a universal language. So in my career, it's more important because I need to, you know... Uh, understand what the people need to tell me in the United States with my coaches, what, it, what they need told me, like uh, we need to work you know, or we need to learn about baseball. Uh, I need to talk too for talking with my, you know, with my teammates when I need to tell, tell something or I need to ask them something. So it's more important. I'm start uh, starting like I have 13, 12 years old. So here in Colombia. But with the first time when I go to the next day I, I, I think like uh, I don't know anything because it's like a uh, nervous when I talk but right now I feel great talk with the people I can understand more like a talk but I feel great I need, I know I need to talk English for for this mm-hmm. business for baseball for because everyone taught English is the, the more information in English like Spanish so I need to, I need to know English
5: so so describe uh, 2020. How unusual were these circumstances and how were you able to, uh, you know, to endure the ups and downs that came with this year?
6: I know the 2020 is a weird year for everyone, for the for coffee, um, for, any, for everything. But a uh, good year for me because I learned a lot. I know right now what, is the, what the team want to like, do in the, in the MLB. I know what the Heat are doing in MLB. It's a different like in merely so I learned a lot. Uh, I know what I need to work in right now. Uh, I know what I need to do for next year. I feel great, I feel, I feel good for my year. No, I know now right now I need to, talk, I need to work. I'm working right now in the, in the up season and come back next year better um, and do the best when I come back to the spring training.
5: So obviously you've been able to pitch as a starter and as a bullpen uh, piece. Do you have a preference, or do you feel there's something maybe you can do, you can excel at?
6: No, right now I don't. I don't feel like a uh, a one role. Right now I can start or I can reliever, because um, this year in 2020 I pitched all time like a reliever. So I feel I feel right now I can throw like a reliever. So right now here in the up season I work in like a starter. Uh, I'm like a reliever because I don't know what in my role right now in the address. Yeah, I work in like a, uh, like a starter right now because, you know, I want to be ready for say, a one spot in the rotation. So I work in every single day like a, like a starter, but I never forget where I can throw like a reliever. Uh, right now, I'm working like in the two in both. I'm um, be ready, be ready, and wait, uh, what does the father want what is, to what is, what is give me a role like a starter or a reliever? But uh, I be ready for what they want.
5: So you were able to get some big outs during the playoffs, you know. What did you take from that experience, and how do you think that's going to help you going forward?
6: Um, I think in I think is the playoffs. Uh, uh, no, got good, uh, good moments. So I learned a lot because I need a, I need to compete every time, like I be in the mound, like in the past season and in the regular season, and we need to compete, uh, throw uh, the ball over the plate uh, or pitches. Uh, throw so my old breaking balls in the strikes and all like this. Um, right now, I can throw everything in the strikes. and So I like, I like right now, I feel like I, I can be in the practice next year with better moments. Mm-hmm.
5: So going into spring training, going into 2021, um, do you have any goals? What are your thoughts going into the next year?
6: Oh, I think it is I have 10 goals this year when I went to the spring in 2020. It's like a goal right there, learn about the other pitcher, that have more experience than me. Yeah, fighting for one spot in rotation on the, on the reliever. But the same goal, stay healthy, uh, help the team, um, enjoy the moment, enjoy the baseball, and play hard every time.
5: Okay, you've mentioned, I think we've spoken about how you want Colombia to be a place for baseball. Um, I know you take a lot of pride in Colombia, your country, the sports. Um, Where is the state of baseball in Colombia?
6: What is the state? Um, Yeah. You know, I think um, uh, in Colombia, the baseball is more like on the coast, right here in Barranquilla, Cartagena, like I play more baseball. So right now, um, you know, I think like I play in the, in the up season, in the winter league here, but parents can say the no. So I need a you know Colombia is is right now good in the baseball. Right now is is improving a lot because every everyone is know like Colombia for soccer. But right now with the old Colombia uh, Colombia player, it's like I show everyone like in Colombia have been able to in the coast or in the old country. But right now, we focus, like, I show everyone, show them the war, Like, we have a good players, too, in the baseball.
5: Right. And last question. I know you worked with Jose Quintana. What was that experience like?
6: Right now, I'm working with him, too. Again, here in Barranquilla. He stayed here with his family, too. So, right now, he working in the pandemic, I'm practicing with him because I learned a lot about him. He, I have, like, a seven and eight year in the big leads. So this guy has a good mentality that he know what I need to do. So he showed me uh, the everything like uh, why he wanna I do in the MLB, like uh, do the the right things. So um, I feel like uh, Quintana uh, in my in my career is uh, a good good guy because he showed me everything before I go to the MLB. So I have like a one idea when I go to the to, to the M L B, he you know what I need to do. So this guy helped me a lot in everything in my in my command, in, in how I need to work, uh, how I need thinking in the MLB. So this guy for me is like a father. Every, every time the people asking about him, I say like I'm a father because he helped me a lot. Right now he helped me too here in Colombia. So I feel like a blessing with him.
5: I know you and uh, Jose and players from Columbia mean a lot to your country. And I know there are a lot of fans out there who are really curious about baseball in your country. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, you continue to share your stories because I know there are a lot of fans out there that follow the careers of you and your colleagues and friends from uh, people from your country. And, you know, it's it's a great story to continue to share. Um, On that note, we really want to thank you for joining us on the MLB uh, Pipeline podcast. We really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck going forward. I'm here based in Phoenix, so hopefully we'll see you at the Peoria Sports Complex soon. This is the Padres uh, Spring Training Facility. And uh, thanks again, Luis, and best of luck to you.
6: No, thank you, Jesse, for, for this. Uh, yeah, like you say, right now, Colombia, everyone is proud for us. Not for me, it's for us, for all the players. Uh, show everyone like I call on behalf of too. So I feel proud be part for that guys. So right now enjoy that beat like uh, like you know guys what, what we do. Then. So run right now enjoy the moment right now having home vacation, spend time with those guys uh, with the with the guys wanna play baseball, too with the younger guys. So I feel great be here at home, stay with my family, stay with my friends. That this guy wanna play baseball too. So I enjoy the moment right now, keep working. Um, yeah, see you in, in Peoria next year in 2021. I, you know, play, come back to play hard again and um, fighting for one spot in the Padres team. So thank you guys for everything. Thank you, Dom.
5: We are now joined by Sam Ganey, Senior Director of Player Development for the Padres on the MLB Pipeline podcast, Sam, Louis has an uncanny ability to communicate and he really believes speaking English has been paramount to his success. How have you seen his development and ability to communicate, especially with his ability to speak English, help him in his career? Well, Louis,
0: I think uh, you know, I think he possesses some some really kind of special soft skills, you know, from the people that he came from and just his own in, own internal Drive and motivation. I think whatever, whatever path he went down as a young man in life, whatever he pursued, I think he was going to be successful in. And I think quite early on he realized, um, you know, he was entering an organization with a pretty good infrastructure to support a lot of, you know, beyond 50% of our players are of Latin descent. But I think he also saw that um, in order to, to kind of communicate best with, train coaches, pitching coaches, managers, et cetera, all the, all the people that we have, no different than any other organization, to kind of support, support him that um, he could potentially get a leg up if he, uh, beyond the, the general curriculum and the, the English structure that we provide for these guys, if he kind of took it upon himself. So, um, you know, I think he, he definitely realized that
5: very, very early on in his, uh, his career with us. You referenced his makeup. And I think a lot of fans see his ability. They see his fastball, they see how he plays, but I think they want to know what kind of person he is. What kind of guy is he in the clubhouse? What kind of teammate is he? Who is Louie as a person? I think the, the word that comes to my mind is uh, excitable. I mean, Louie is,
0: uh, from the first time I probably met him back in 2016 or the first time our, you know, our international scouting group, Chris Camp laid eyes on him, I think, um, you know, he's always had just a thirst for a thirst for baseball, and he loves the game, and he loves the work that's associated with it and his craft. Um, Chris and I actually went and visited Louie last off-season, and um, you know, i you never really know. It was it was the first time for me to kind of visit him at his home in Barranquilla, meet his family, and kind of see him in his own element because we've always had him in the States from the Dominican. Uh, but I remember commenting to Chris that I don't really know what we're going to see this morning at about 7 a.m. as we rolled into kind of a uh, kind of a dew-swept uh, dual-purpose baseball soccer field. But I, t- I looked at Chris. I said, I know we're going to see a lot of energy and a lot of excitement, and bouncing in at you know 7:15, ready to work in a in kind of a balmy December day in Colombia. there he was. And he's been, we've seen that from the moment he signed back in 2016, and I would expect that we're going to see that for his entire career.
5: One of the things Luis mentioned was how beneficial it was for him to participate in summer camp, to for him to be on the alternate site, and the experience he took out of that. As an organization, what are you guys hoping he takes from those types of experiences? I think uh, I think, you know, with
0: with Louie, I think it's it's that he can pitch at this level and he can – I think we saw instances where uh, he put the put the Major League Club in a position to, you know, help them win some baseball games. But hopefully also he's – like any young player, um, he saw maybe took, took some things away that he can kind of attack this offseason going into 2021 to make himself even better. Um, so I think it was, uh, you know, kind of the confidence that he belongs, but also – kind of staying open that there's like any young player that there's a lot, a lot still remaining so that he can stay there and, and be a a force to be reckoned with
5: going forward. And Sam, obviously the sky's a limit for this young pitcher, but where does Luis fit in the organization? What are the future plans for him going forward in 2021 and beyond? I think he's going to ultimately tell us that and
0: kind of the makeup of our club, um, I think our comfort in bringing him up and kind of introducing him in a variety of roles kind of speaks to his versatility, his athleticism, his makeup, and kind of, um, well, you know, Louie's always been like a, you know, very routine oriented. He's always also been flexible in the sense that, you know, I think he welcomes opportunities, different, different scenarios, different challenges. And, um, you know, I I think, uh, you know, I think we definitely still see and, You know Everything he showed us this year in 2020, um, both at the alternate side and at the major league level, this is a guy who has a chance to be a major league starting pitcher going forward.
5: Thank you for joining us, Sam. I think it's obvious there's a lot to like about Luis Patino, who he is as a player, who he is as a person, and the sky's a limit for this young man. My name is Jesse Sanchez. Back to you, Jason.
1: All right, thanks very much, Jesse, and thanks very much to both Luis Patino and Sam Ganey for joining us on the pipeline podcast guys, you know, we, we had Jesse on, on the podcast last week and, you know, a lot of that conversation was about just how difficult it is to project these international prospects who teams are signing at 16 scouting when they're 13, 14 years old. And I think Luis Patino, you know, a prime example of a kid who, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he even weighed 150 pounds when they signed him. He was not highly regarded. He signed for 130 thousand dollars, which is not a lot um, relative to what the you know top 30 sort of prospects get. He was not in our top 30 list. Uh, the Padres that year signed seven of the top 24 international prospects. He was not one of them. Uh, but now here he is, uh, you know, more highly regarded than anyone that uh, the Padres signed in that class and more highly regarded than just about anyone in that class.
3: Yeah I mean that just goes I think to show the nature of, of how difficult it is because you're projecting guys so far in advance on the international market and there's a lot of big money players who become good players and there's also a lot of guys who are signed for relative bargains who do. It, it's funny I ran into I don't, at some point, like back in the days when we actually got in airplanes and flew places before the pandemic, um, I think before Patino really blew up, I want to say maybe it was during the 2018-19 offseason, I was in an airport and I ran into Chris Kemp, who's the Potters International Scouting Director, and, and was asking about Patino because I had started to hear a little bit about him, and, you know, what, what you said and what, Jason, uh, what Jesse, you know, wrote about and, and, and talked about with Patino, you know, he, he was thrown 84-86, um, and, he, and he wasn't physical, but They liked his athleticism. They thought it was a really loose arm and a really athletic delivery. And it's like, okay, well, let's take a shot. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think he might have even been, like, the last pitcher in this long group of pitchers they looked at. You know, it was not a a real productive day until they saw him. But, you know, you you fast forward now, he's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. And and Jonathan, I mean, I I still – we had no Futures game this year, and whenever I thought about that, I thought about how I think my favorite moment in the 2019 Futures game was Patino getting a chance to pitch uh, when the game went to extra innings, which we weren't necessarily going to get, and um, and just having electric stuff and, and striking Joe Adele out and walking off the mound before Adele was even finished striking out. That's how good he knew his pitch was. I love that guy.
2: Yeah, no, uh, the electricity of the stuff, the confidence of the mound, you uh, know I mean, even the, the 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 willingness to serve in in any role, you know, and I think he's it's really interesting cuz anytime, you know there there's a a tendency that anytime there is a slightly smaller right-hander from Latin America with electric stuff, people always want to think about Pedro Martinez and Fair or unfair, you know, Sixto Sanchez has dealt with that, and You know, a lot of these guys idolize them, and, and the thing is, you don't know, right? You know, sure, maybe you looked at a young Luis Patino and saw, you know, the size and the electric stuff, and said, "Well, if it all clicks, oh, it's all clicked." You know, and I, I think, you know, the the thing that's interesting with him is, uh, you know, I would love to see him as a starter because the, you know the stuff holds up. I think, but he could be a really high leverage reliever, and in today's game you know, two things work in his advantage. Even as a starter, you really don't have to go much further than five or six innings. And then, you know, as a reliever, if you could be a guy who goes two innings, you know, a few times a week, uh, that also is huge, huge value because, you know, everyone's leaning on the bullpen so much more. So uh, I'm excited to see him in San Diego full-time starting in 2021.
1: I mean, I think maybe people forget that, He was 20 years old pitching in the, you know, pitching in the postseason this year. And uh, in the big league time that he did get in the regular season, he struggled a bit. Um, You know, sometimes these guys, you know, they make their debuts and they they come out and are untouchable. Um, Other times they they struggle a bit. And that was the case with Patino. But I, I think it's easy to forget that he was just 20 years old when pitching this year. Mark Feinsand has reported that the Rays are open to trading Blake Snell. Um, Now, this is something that the Rays have have done in the past when they have big-time starter and deal him uh, to load up on prospects. They did that back in 2014 when they traded David Price to the Tigers. Got Willie Adames, Drew Smiley. Uh, Nick Franklin, that was a three-way deal. They got those players in that deal. And then, uh, going back to 2012, traded James Shields to the Royals, uh, along with Wade Davis and Elliott Johnson got, um, uh, Will Myers, Jake O'Dorizzi, uh, also got Montgomery, Patrick Leonard. Fine says that among the teams interested, uh, the Angels and the Mariners. So look, looking at that. And I know, uh, Jim, you commented that, uh, speculating on potential trade packages is, is uh, just shy of coming up with comps for you in terms of things you you dislike doing, (laughs) but you're going to have to do it.
3: Yeah. I mean, just to, I mean, it's one of those things like, like, especially with these types of trades, I mean, they won't just give Blake Snell away, but this is a financially motivated trade if it happens. So like, I I remember because you'll find Sam winds up having to write usually around the trade deadline. Oh, here's some potential trades and he'll fire thoughts off to me and Jonathan. And we either tell, like, it's the same thing when we come up with them, you either come up with a package that's way too rich or way too light. Like, like nobody ever agrees in baseball. Like anytime I I try to do something like that, I'll get texts from somebody saying, no, no way that happens. But, um, you know, especially with this kind of trade in this economic environment, you're not going to get talent for talent. You know, just like if the Cubs trade Chris Bryant, they're not going to get what you would expect Chris Bryant to bring in a trade. I mean, they're looking to get rid of the financial commitment to Chris Bryant, even if it's only for one year. Um, you know, so I, I, if Snell does get traded, you know, like, like say he gets traded to the Mariners, there's no way it's going to be, you know, Jared Kelnick or Julio Rodriguez or Emerson Hancock or Logan Gilbert. You're you're going to be talking about you know their their second tier prospects you know maybe the angels would give up their best guy Jonathan you know, I, I think you do both those systems in Brandon Marsh because they have a bunch of outfielders but it's not like the angels are going to say oh here's Brandon Marsh and Reed Detmers and Jeremiah Jackson for Blake Snell it, it's going to be much less than that
2: yeah I could see maybe just because Snell is you know young uh, and you know for a team that has isn't worried about shedding salary is you know relatively cost effective um you know he he's not making an exorbitant amount of money for you know as good as he is and and you know three years left on the on the contract uh and it's you know what it's what 10 and a half next year 12 and a half in 22 and then 16 million in in 2023 so that's the, you know the the only thing that if I'm the rays um, I might think, all right, well, sure, I'll dangle the possibility and we'll have to be wowed to trade him now, knowing that he's still going to have, let's say, he goes out and has a really good year in 2021. And, you know, keep in mind, Charlie Morton has gone elsewhere. Um, it, You know, if he's going to to has a good year, then he's still going to have a lot of value with two, you know, decently, team friendly years left on his contract. So I could see it being like one top tier prospect and then, you know, a handful of, of others. And, you know, and the rays are probably going to be looking for guys who are closer to the big league. So a guy like Brandon Marsh could make sense just because he's just about big league ready, uh, without uh, a real opportunity right away. um, the Mariners, you know, have worked so hard to build up their system. We all know Jerry DePoto likes to make trades and they're they're moving in the right direction. But I, you know, I don't see them trading any, you know, Kelnick is ready for the big leagues. Julio Rodriguez could be ready second half of next year. Logan Gilbert will contribute in 2021. I think they'd be more likely to hold those guys and let them help them move the needle in the AL West rather than trade any of them now that system is a lot deeper so you know there are some sort of second tier guys you know maybe taylor trammell gets traded again i was gonna Um, say
1: as you guys both went down the mariners list you you both both stopped right at taylor trammell
2: he 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 fits you know like they have a bunch
3: of outfielders and i mean the same thing like i could see george kirby couldn't you jonathan i mean if they had to give up one of their best pitching prospects it won't be gilbert or hancock but I could see him giving up Kirby's.
2: So. Yeah, I think so. And, and Kirby's good. Like, it's, and it's not going to take him that long. So you know, if you would a combination of Taylor Trammell and George Kirby, and then you know uh, some of the relievers further down on their list, get it done. I mean, I, I don't know. That's why I make. That's why we always hem and haw when we're talking about these packages. But as, as Jim said, but. That could be in, intriguing because it won't take George Kirby very long to you know to, to get to the big leagues because of his command and, and Taylor Trammell's been at the upper levels at a certain point in time. I think you have to sort of see what he can do.
3: Yeah, and Jonathan, you do the Angels. I mean, looking at their list, I, I just have a hard time you know. seeing the Angels putting together a package that, that I mean, like if you were trying to approximate, you know, talent, you know, and and Blake Snell's certainly not expensive. I mean if you take out their couple best prospects, they can't even put a deal together. And I, I, mean, I, would they really give up Brandon Marsh and then, you know, Reed Demers or Jordan Adams or Jeremiah. Jack? I mean, then you'd be like really, you know, thinning out the system even further. So right. I mean, right. What would mean? To win, maybe.
2: Right. Well, and it's a new general manager. Um, so he may want to make a splash, you know, we'll have to sort of see what he's, what he's willing to do, but you could do, you know, uh, take a couple guys who are upper level. So Brandon Marsh, uh, Jamai jones and then one of those further away guys like like a jeremiah jackson or kyron paris i don't think i'd trade jeremiah jackson if i were the angels but he is also yet to play full season ball so uh you know they 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 don't have nearly as deep a system as the mariners uh, but what they have are sort of really interesting high upside guys who are all really far away so it's hard to know like what value the rays would would put in that all right guys thanksgiving coming up I am thankful
1: for this podcast because it gave me a chance to actually talk to you guys. You guys have sort of resurfaced here. You've been, uh, as I said earlier, had, had your heads down working on the top 100 draft prospects list. Yes. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, for these guys. Uh, so tell us a little bit, uh, as you've been digging into uh, the top 100 draft prospects list, which will come out in a couple of weeks. Um, but you've you've started to talk to some people. You're you you know you've already familiarized yourself with with the top guys. Uh, we we put out a top fifteen high school and college draft prospects list. Um, but now as you're getting a little deeper, any interesting players or particular stories that that you've uh, stumbled upon?
3: Well, I'll, I'll give you a hitter and a pitcher because you know I can never answer these questions with just. Uh, I'm amazed you're, you're
2: you're holding yourself <clears throat> to two players.
3: Yeah, you should be thankful. Um, I'm and, grateful uh, for that. Yes, there you go. So, um, uh, pitcher wise, you know, guy it's, it's interesting. There's a guy at Auburn named Richard Fitz who, you know, I think if the draft were today would be a first round pick, you know, he, he, he's shown some potential in the past, more of a reliever, six foot three right-hander. Um, but during the summer, uh, you know, during fall ball, I mean, he's looked like a first round starter. He, he's been 93, 95, you know, up to 97. Um, he, he's had a, a very sharp, uh, breaking ball. He's got a, it's, it's, I'm not going to it's not Casey Mize's splitter, but he's got one of those split change-ups that can, that can be pretty nasty, um, at times. Um, and it, it's a good delivery. It's athletic, it strikes. Um, so I think he's really launched himself into the again. I mean, there's a lot to go on. He hasn't started at Auburn. You know, who knows what the college season is going to look like. But, but I do think if the draft were today, there's a very good chance he'd be a first-round pick. And, and he was not a guy who was on my radar coming into the fall. Um, and then from a position player standpoint, I don't know if we can quite put this guy in the top 100 prospect list. But the guy, the, the position player who probably has the best pure tools of anybody in the Midwest actually hails from South Dakota. Uh, it's a kid named Chase Mason. Um, he's also quarterback. He actually tore his ACL um, playing football this fall, but because they start late, he'll be back probably for the baseball season. But we're talking well above average raw power, well above average speed, well above average arm. Um, obviously can go and get the ball in the outfield. Um he plays basketball, he could do windmill dunks, he's got division one quarterback interest, he's all state and track just unbelievable athlete and you know the question is just because he hasn't faced a lot of competition and and been exposed to a lot of quality pitching or or done a lot in the showcase circuit is how much is he going to hit like when he connects he can really connect but you know he 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 didn't put up even in south dakota legion ball um he did not put up huge numbers So tools wise just on pure tools he he easily make the top 100 there might be enough of a question with the bat to maybe just keep him off but he's he's very very interesting and and you know south dakota actually has a a pitcher on the other side of south dakota branson keel so you will have scouts actually flocking to south dakota more than usual chase mason probably the best athlete to come out of either dakota since darren erstad way back when
1: yeah jim i was going to put you on the spot best draft pick ever out of south dakota
3: Oh, probably Blake Trinan, right?
1: That is Blake Trinan.
3: Who bounced around from a couple of different schools before he wound up uh, at, at in South Dakota. Was it South Dakota State?
2: Yep. You didn't even hesitate. That wasn't Well, I
3: was do I was covering the draft then. It's like when I was at baseball America, we would do every year we would list the top five prospects in the Dakotas. So you would have to dig. And Blake Trinan was the rare prospect who was a a legitimate slam dunk prospect as opposed to you know guys who are you know interesting in august stanner or wherever
1: yeah if you look at a state by state we did a story during last year's draft state by state best draft pick south dakota trinan has a career war of 8.2 at the time anyway um north dakota jim you got that one
3: well, I mean, the best pick around out of North Dakota was Darren Erstad, but he didn't sign. And, and it's sad, my, my institutional knowledge of 90s drafting I think he was from Jamestown, North Dakota, if I remember correctly, before he went to Nebraska.
2: I'm not even going to look. I'm, I'm sure he's right.
3: Um, I am not sure who the best player it's, it's, out of North
1: Dakota. Yeah, you, you probably wouldn't know because it's a negative war of uh, 0 point, uh, 0. 0.4, negative 0. 0.4 Neil Wagner.
3: Well, you know, here's the question though, because, well, he didn't sign. Nick Anderson was also drafted out of North Dakota, but the Brewers opted not to sign him. We right. talked about him on a previous. He was podcast. he
2: was in North Dakota for like a minute.
3: Yeah, well, he, well, he played in Mayville State, but he had he had legal issues, so they didn't sign him. But yeah, right. It's uh, not been. Uh, it it's not been a very productive. It's not uh, a hotbed.
2: North yes, exactly. All right, um, I'll give you one of each. Also, uh, two high schoolers. Uh, The first guy, like, like Jim, I'll say is not, he's been brought up, but I don't think he's going to make the top 100 right now. His name is uh, Pierce Coppola. He's a six foot seven left-hander from New Jersey. And a big reason why I'm bringing him up is because he goes to Verona High School.
1: I was about to say.
2: Of one, Mr. Jonathan Mayo. Uh, So it's crazy because when I went to high school there, I played center on my high school basketball team. We didn't have anybody six foot seven. Um... But uh, he, you know, he's one of these very projectable left handers who's not throwing super hard right now. But if you dream on him, you see or you see him in the right time, you see like an Andrew Miller type. Um, That's what people have said. But he also could end up being one of those big, tall, lanky lefties who, you know, they, they don't end up throwing all that hard. So. Uh, we'll have to wait and see now he may end up be better suited going on to college, but I had to bring up the Verona high school guy and then uh, I'll go across the country. I don't have like a, like a fun, you know, weird state guy to, to go to, but I'll go to, to Arizona and West Kath, uh, who is like a really interesting high school hitter. Um, he plays shortstop right now. He, he he'll move over to third. And I think, you know, he has a chance to be a really good third baseman and he like over the course of the summer, at a variety of events always was kind of mentioned uh as as a a very good player he you know he didn't make many of our of our lists uh he did make the uh the top performers at the Worldwood Bat uh tournament uh you know in the fall but he was always that sort of like keep an eye on this guy keep an eye on this guy really interesting left-handed bat uh has not shown a ton of power but if it starts to come then he becomes even more interested i think the best sort of comparison that I got was he's kind of a more athletic but with less power version of Tristan Cassis the Red Sox uh, prospect
3: a more athletic and less power than Jonathan Mayo uh,
2: no he would be more athletic with more power than more Jonathan power. Mayo
3: okay
1: so that uh, top 100 draft prospects list will be coming out second week of December so keep an eye out for that all right let's wrap things up with the mailbag we got a question from Nick uh, at Lobreco Nick. Uh, seems to be a Rays fan and wants to know what can we expect from Vidal Brujan in twenty twenty one?
2: Well you know, he what has he got about fifty five games in double A. Um I could see him starting the year in double A. This is without having any idea of what he did, you know, this summer. Um you know the speed is going to play always. Um I think you know, the Rays might end up moving around some more. Um, you know, he, he's played a good amount of second, so you could play second and short, but uh, I don't know, maybe start getting him some reps in the outfield so he has a, that, that possibility. Um, but I don't know. September call-up? That's my, that's my guess right now. But I think he's the kind of guy that if you needed him just because of the, of, of the speed uh he could play a role if if he needed him sooner than that
3: yeah I wonder if they might wind up using him in a trade to get something they need you know they're not afraid to trade prospects for prospects they've got Brandon Lau and Willie Adamas up the middle right now Wander Frank the best prospect of baseball's coming he could wind up a third we've got you know you've got Joey Wendell who had a very useful season you know, we have postseason hero Mike Brasso. Brasso, we you know, they have plenty of, of infielders. They even have a guy who's somewhat similar to Bruhan and Xavier Edwards coming up behind him. And so I almost wonder if, you know, again, not that they'd give him away, but like, let's say we'll play. They trade Blake Snell, and maybe they trade Bruhan for a pitch, a young pitcher they can use this year or something. Like you know, like we saw as, as we talked ad nauseum, they traded you know Libertor to get Randy Arozarena in a trade, nobody realized how that was going to play out at the time. And, um, you know, I don't think they'd be afraid to necessarily trade Bruhan for a piece they thought could help their club. And, and, and maybe that's what they do because it's – as talented as he is, it is hard trying to figure out how he's going to get at bats in Tampa Bay anytime soon.
1: All right. Thanks to Labreco Nick for that question. Don't forget you can always tweet your questions at us, Jim, and uh, Jonathan will send out the, – they'll send up the, the bat signal for your questions and we'll answer your questions on the podcast thanks everybody for listening to this week's mlb pipeline podcast happy thanksgiving to everyone make sure to keep out uh, keep an eye out for the pipeline podcast every week on mlb.com itunes or wherever you get your podcasts